Hello and welcome to the Professional Horror Podcast, the only podcast that has ever thought, hey, do you think people would like things if they were in list form? I am your host, Chris Donovan, and my guest, the same as it was last week, it's Ryan Spooner. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me back on. No problem, man. So, you might remember, if you listened last week, or if you were just in the feed for Professional Horror Podcast... But of course you all listen, because, well, what wouldn't you? Exactly. We reviewed April Fool's Day last week. And April Fool's Day has what I would call one of the best fake-out endings in horror movies. And that got me thinking. What are some other horror movies that have really gotten us in those last few frames? What have really thrown a wrench in the works and really made us go, whoa... So we have each assembled five of the movies we thought had the best fake-outs of all time. And we're going to list them just for you guys. So I'm going to start. No, you're going to start because I want to have the last one. Whoop, whoop. So, well, no, that's okay. That's, that's, that's understandable. Yeah. It's your show. Yeah, so what is your fifth best fake-out in horror? All right. I did my best to rank my five, you know, least yeah. to most interesting. Um, I have Freddy vs. Jason. The yeah. very end is five. Um, for me, it was just it was the fact that I always enjoyed the concept of the movie right when it you know was teased initially. Um, for for those of you who may not be familiar, it ends with Jason Voorhees carrying Freddy Krueger's head after he suddenly has what we would call a face term in wrestling when he tries to help the kids yeah. <clears throat> escape from Freddy yeah. Krueger. Yeah, I'm not really sure how I felt about that, but um, I'm I'm not a fan of. I mean, I like Freddy vs. Jason. I think it's a decent movie. I think it's decent. However, I'm not a fan of the movie and the characters basically saying Jason is the lesser of two evils. I agree he's the lesser of two evils. However, the movie should paint a picture that they are on a level playing field and the kids should not be rooting for anyone in the movie. Hmm. I think... However, I do think the twist is a good way to sort of save face at the end. Because versus movies, one of the biggest issues with versus movies is someone's got to win. And you hurt a character and you hurt a franchise based on who loses. So you have movies like The Second Alien versus Predator. God. Where they both get blown up at the same time while they're in, you know, mortal struggle with one another. You have the same thing in Komodo versus Cobra for all the four people out there who've also seen that movie, where they're both fighting and they both blow up at the same time. You have that in lots of versus movies, even even Batman versus Superman. They're fighting, Batman's winning, and then suddenly they stop fighting. Why? Because the plot demands it. So Freddy vs. Jason is a good way to sort of circumvent that. I mean, horror movie villains are notorious for coming back to life. Who's to say that they couldn't also survive another horror movie killer killing them? Also, Jason had the distinct advantage of having the teenagers on his side for the fight. So I, I think it's a fun little, you know, wink and a nod to what might come later, which didn't come later, except in comic book form. See, and I wouldn't know, I, I didn't know that. Freddy versus Jason versus Ash from The Evil Dead. Two graphic novel series. Check them out. Yeah, so I just so I can say the ending. Um, since you, and it was a nice segue since you said that was that uh, you see a close up suddenly of Jason carrying the head and Freddie gives you the wink, and a, and you hear him laughing. Yeah, um, you know, in that very classic Freddy Krueger laugh. It's the best laugh ever. Um, so to me, that 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 was good enough for me to mention. But compared to the other ones, because I know yeah. on my list. Um, so Chris, what's starting off your list? 
Oh, I'm sorry. Enough. What's the first blood on your list, if you will? Oh, well, the first blood, you say. The fifth fake-out ending in my list is Dead Silence. I really like Dead Silence. It's dumb, but I really like it. It might make its way to an episode at some point. Check it out. So Dead Silence is about the ghost of Mary Shaw, who was a ventriloquist. And basically, the concept of the movie is if she's around and you talk or make any noise, she steals your tongue and kills you and, like, takes your voice so she can add that to her ventriloquist collection or whatever. She's got, like, hundreds of dummies. But the twist is so, so asinine. It's like you cannot help but be impressed by it because of how dumb and wonderful it is. So basically, the whole... Movie gets jump-started by one character who comes back home. Um, he left his home, he left his rich father to go strike out on his own. His rich father has married, has remarried some younger chick who's almost the same age as like the main character, so it's like kind of a weird thing. So once the main character thinks he's destroyed all the dummies, he goes back home and he starts yelling at his dad and his, the, the ex-wife, I mean the new wife isn't there. He starts yelling like, oh, I went through all this. And he walks over to him and like nudges him and he falls over. He's been, he's dead. His whole back has been hollowed out, and the wife, who is somehow Mary Shaw, has been using him as a ventriloquist dummy the whole time. It's so dumb, but I love it. It's, he's literally just sitting, she's literally sitting there with like a, a tube where his spine used to be, making his mouth move up and down so he can talk, and throwing her voice to mimic his whenever he says things. And oh, it has one of those beautiful like recap moments where, you know, the plot twist happens and it activates flashbacks to be like, here are the hints we put so that you would know what it is. Like, no one could have guessed that. You could have put a million hints in this movie. No one would have guessed he's a ventriloquist dummy. It's just so dumb. It's beautiful. I love it. I'm not going to lie to you. That seems that sounds like something I should watch it's just because so of the... funny. You just, you just made that sound. It's so funny. Extremely interesting. All right, Ryan. What's your number four fake out ending in horror? Number four on my list... I have a classic. You know I'm a history buff. You know I like old stuff. I'm an old soul. Um, I have The Shining, Shining of course. Good. Everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. Jack Nicholson, writer in the hotel with his family, steadily going crazy. The ending of the movie with The Midnight, The Stars, and You, where they're showing the photo of patrons in the hotel. Is it is it patrons in the hotel? It's, um, well, it's, it's sure all the different people it in the hotel. Right. So it's just a big party. And the fact that Jack Nicholson is in the movie with that smile that just became yeah. iconic... It may really makes you wonder what the message is at the very end. Does it make you think that Jack's finally gone so far off the deep end that he's become part of the hotel? Yeah, it's it's a thing where it's a really creepy image. It's a great ending. It doesn't make like any sense, but it's just it's it's fun. It's iconic. It's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's one of those, it's one of those classic horror movie. Don't think about it. Just right. enjoy it. Right, because I actually read two things, and I think yeah. you'll find the third one that I found afterwards very interesting. We just mentioned how it could be that he's part of a hotel. People are wondering if the reason, part of why he was going, was because he had an ancestor that had something to do with the hotel, mm-hmm. um, and that maybe it's not his character. We don't know. I also found a third internet rumor. I feel like this is something you would already know. Mm-hmm. Somebody tried making an argument for the moon landing. <sighs> There's... You're so oh, glad I brought this God. up now, aren't you? I'm telling there's, you, I did my homework for this, Chris. There's I really a rumor did. that, not, I mean, you guys all have heard the stories that they think the moon landing is fake, right? Well, this theory goes a little bit further 
says the man who directed the the fake moon landing is Stanley Kubrick, who directed The Shining. Some people have theorized that The Shining is his subtle, crazy Kubrick way of confessing. There are certain elements, like the twins, they represent, I want to say Gemini? There's some sign, like constellation of twins that they're supposed to represent. And in that scene, uh, Danny Torrance is wearing a, a sweater with a rocket ship on it says Apollo 11 on it, which is strange. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't think it's so strange that a kid is excited about space travel. However, it's just one of those things that's just crazy that people have just kind of piled on top of one another, little bits of pieces here and there. It's like, it's like a JFK assassination. Yeah, it's also, it also has something to do with the fact that, um, you know, the Illuminati, the all-seeing eye of the triangle... Mm-hmm. A lot of shots in The Shining are staged, like a triangle staging, I guess mm-hmm. you'd say. But that's because the triangle is like one of the most common shapes. It's just it ha- it. Any movie has that kind of framing at some point or another. So it's one of those things where it's like it's a clue. It's not really a clue. Like I would bet a lot of money that even if the moon landing was fake, Kubrick didn't direct it. Cause that just is weird. The other reason why they say it was Kubrick is because of how. Realistically, he did space travel in 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. So that's the theory. It's like, how'd they make it so realistic? They got the guy to 2001. Lewis, people think they're getting a simple top 10 list. <laughs> so and Lewis, stupid, we, just got, we just got conspiracy theories. We tied in another movie. We are bringing it so to this episode. And Chris, I am so glad so you invited me to be a part of this. It's so dumb, though. Oh See, my God. but I told you I did yeah. my homework, Chris, and I got yeah. it. Yeah, I can't <laughs> say you did it. <laughs> All right. What's number four on your list? Oh, number four on my list. You said you're going, you're going back with number four. I'm going a little bit further back than that. That's funny because there was a movie I saw when I was at film school. Silent movie, black and white movie. It's called The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And this is for all you, all my fellow film nerds out there. Go check this one out. It's really like the first feature film plot twist that was ever out there. I mean, it's what people say. Say it's the first plot twist. It's another one of those movies, like I said with April Fool's Day last week, where once the twist happens, it explains the rest of the movie. There's some very weird shadows, weird shapes, people on really tall chairs for no reason. The backgrounds are all weird, like a Tim Burton movie, which is probably where Tim Burton got his inspiration from. We think it's just the style of the movie. It's an aesthetic choice to make it seem otherworldly. But then at the very end, we learn the main character has been crazy this whole time. And he's been telling the story to his friend in the insane asylum. And the person he thinks is a murderer is actually his psychiatrist, his doctor. So all of the crazy shapes, all the crazy images, all of this otherworldly imagery we get in this movie is because we're getting this from the perspective of a crazy person. So it's one of those things where the thing you just bought wholeheartedly at the beginning, okay, that's just how this world looks is completely reversed on you at the end, being like, no, you bought that so quickly, but it was a crazy guy who was telling you the story. It's really the first none of the movie ever happened plot twists, which is ubiquitous these days, but it's the first, so you gotta give props for that. It's a decent movie, too. For a silent black-and-white movie, I would check it out. That and Nosferatu were the two black-and-white. I've actually seen Nosferatu. Nosferatu's good. So you just brought up the, you just brought up that movie? I have one that I'm sure based a lot of its storytelling. I actually am changing my list right now on the fly. You're going to be very impressed. The only reason I'm not going to rank this movie higher is because I have, well, you know what my other two are and why I have them there. Shutter Island for me with Leonardo Shutter DiCaprio. Island, yeah. I've mentioned to you how I like plots. 
And I'm like thinking, okay, I still haven't figured out the end of the movie. <laughs> so part of me wanted to, to put it lower on the list because I haven't figured it out. Yeah. I love the movie. Mm-hmm. I love the story. I love everything about the movie. I love how deep it is. I truly got lost in yeah. that movie when I watched it at college. Mm-hmm. And then when you find out that it may have all just been a mirage. It may have all just been a dream. Yep. And I thought it, it actually is a very appropriate segue mm-hmm. to what you were just talking about yep. with your movie. And obviously Leonardo DiCaprio does a great yep. job in that. Um, <laughs> is it sad? The reason why I haven't seen Shutter Island is because I saw the trailer and I went, he's crazy. Yeah. Well, that would be because, you know, I, for those, you know, I held out hope. I wasn't really yeah. sure. I just heard it was very, very yeah. good. I watched the trailer and they're like, he's like, I'm searching for my wife. I'm like, no, you're not. You're an inmate. Don't, don't lie to me, Leo. Yeah, please don't don't fool with our heart like the academy like the academy does with your roles. Please yeah. don't do it. I know what's going on. But I loved I loved everything about the movie. I thought it was a story. There was a story to it. Obviously, yeah. you start with the boat trip to the island. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. go through this whole thing. But I felt like it was a very long movie. But if you're somebody that truly likes when you're getting plot, yeah. and you're being led along, I think it's a great movie in that regard. Oh yeah, I mean it's, if it's gonna be if it's made by I believe it's Leo with Scorsese. Which yes, you, know, you can't. Which you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with Leo with Scorsese. But I know a lot of people don't like plot. I know a lot of people don't like plot. They feel like if stuff you know gets along too slowly, the first um, the first Dark Knight of the Christopher Nolan Bad trilogy, that, maybe, that people don't like that one because they say it's too long, it's too boring. To me, I need that. I want to take a quick side note on that yeah. actually because there is one thing that made me absolutely like almost rage over. I when I was uh, in UARTS, I was a CA for a couple summers where I was basically an RA for high school kids in the art program over the summer. There was one night we sat down with like four or five kids and we watched Aliens, which is my, I said that, I'm sure my favorite horror movie, mm-hmm. Aliens is my favorite it, movie. Period. I was going to say it's like period. your favorite movie. My yeah. favorite movie. I love it, love it, love it. An hour into Aliens, all the kids walked out because they said it was too boring and took too long to get going. Right before, it was right before they met Newt in the movie. And I was furious. Because that movie, rest in peace, Bill Paxton, you're my boy and I love you forever. The movie's so good. And they walked out. I was angry. I don't play. Like, if you're going to a movie, yeah. if you're going to see the movie, you might as well freaking sit there and enjoy it. Yeah, even if it's a bad movie, I almost can I can almost never walk away from it. I've never else. walked out of one. Yeah. Especially because I've seen movies that I've hated, and then the pl- and then the, they have a plot twist at the end, and I'm like, and I go, oh, wait a minute, mm-hmm. there's something to this, and you have to rewatch it, and you go, oh wow, this is so much more interesting than I thought at first. Granted, there are some movies you watch, and you get to the end, and they're just bad, mm-hmm. but now you know it's bad. You didn't give it a chance to redeem it if you walked out halfway through. And not only with getting back to yeah. Shutter Island, not only am I thinking about Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Now I'm thinking about the doctor, the psychiatrist, because yeah. he's supposed to be Leo's sidekick in all of this. Yeah. So now not only are you thinking, like, what was Leo's role in this, mm-hmm. now you're really wondering, like, what was the the doctor's actual role in yeah. all this? It, it was really interesting to me. I, yeah. I just let... That was the first time I watched a movie. I had my roommate um, mm-hmm. at the time with me, and she and I watched it, and it was the first time I truly watched a movie... And it's not to say that, I, you know, because we're going through yeah. nine other movies that have given us that ending, but that was the first time I ever watched a movie, since this is before I saw Inception, mm-hmm. where I was like, what did I just... Like, I know what I watched, yeah. but what did I see? What did, Like, what did I actually see? Yeah. So that's my number three. Christopher, mm-hmm. what do you have in the three? Number three, list? I have an 80s movie 
similar. I mean, it came out around the same time, I believe, as April Fool's Day, called Sleepaway Camp. The Sleepaway Camp, I mean, you could look at it off the bat and say it's a ripoff Friday the 13th. You're not 100% wrong. And why are we not 100% wrong, Chris? Because it takes place at a camp. Obviously, it's called Sleepaway Camp. People die in pretty brutal ways in Sleepaway Camp. And it's, it's definitely a slasher movie, So it, and it is a whodunit, so it is much more similar to the original Friday the 13th in the sequels, for sure. It's It starts off in a similar thing with a child dying as well, because, you know, the, Friday, the whole thing about Friday the 13th is Jason Voorhees was, you know, drowned while yeah. counselors weren't After paying attention. After being constantly bullied. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in Sleepaway Camp, we start off with a dad and two kids, Angela and Peter, and they're on a lake having fun. And then a boating accident happens that kills Peter and John, the father. Angela has to go live with her aunt, who is the craziest person I've ever seen in a movie, like overacting to the extreme. For, she just has five minutes of screen time, and I remember her so vividly from, like, from just those five minutes of her just being crazy. You go through this, and she's bullied because she's a very shy kid. Her cousin's with her, but, you know, doesn't really save Angela too many times because she's, you know, just getting bullied. She's, you know... The, the cool kids at camp are giving her a rough time. But then one by one, people start dying, as you do in Slashers. You have the giant chef character, the, the cook, get pushed into a giant pot that he was cooking. By the way, I don't know how... I'm going to reveal the killer is in a, who the killer is in a minute. I don't know how the killer did it. This guy's like 300 pounds. Then you have one of the most brutal... One of the endings... Kill is one of the most brutal kills I've ever seen. And it's only implied, but still. You have Judy, who is like, you know, the head honcho character, you know, the, the head cheerleader type jerk character. She's killed in the most brutal way I think I've ever seen in a movie, even though it's just implied. She's like curling her hair with like a lit curling iron. The killer takes that lit curling iron and puts it in her, um, in her lady parts. And she's super dead after that point. People just start dropping left and right. And then we finally see Angela. Um, at the very end, she's killed someone else by beheading someone. The counselors find her. They see her with the body, but she's naked at the time, and it sort of pans out. And they're like, oh, my God, she's a boy. Because the aunt is so crazy that Angela didn't survive the boat accident. Peter survived the boating accident. And the aunt made Peter live the rest of his life as Angela, as a girl. Probably caused a couple issues. Probably why that... Why yeah. Megan had to die the way that she did. He, you know, yeah. that was that was a clear, direct revolt against, you know, his yeah. situation. Yeah. It's like, he, it was like forced transsexualism, I guess. And it's just, it's such a, it's such a weird plot twist because that's literally, usually after a plot twist, you have a scene of dealing with it. April Fool's Day, you had the scene where they're like, ha ha ha, all a joke, let's explain why it's a joke. Sleepaway Camp, you, it's literally... She's screaming, she's naked, and they go, oh my god, she's a boy. End of movie. See you later, guys. Credits roll. And you're like, what? Good luck sleeping with that one on your conscience. What? (laughs) No, 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 no. Come back, movie, and explain. And the movie's like, nope, I'm gone. See you later, man. She was a guy. We don't have to explain. (laughs) Yeah, she's a guy. Sorry, guys. You're like, wow, this was weird. It's a fun movie. Like I said, I I don't know how... 13 or however old she is, 13-year-old Peter slash, slash Angela pushed a 300-pound cook into a boiling pot like she did. I don't know. I don't know how she's so effective at killing. I think she kills like eight or nine people in this movie. I don't know how good she is because 
her aunt seems to be kind of protective of her, so I don't know how that happened like it did. But it's a really fun movie. It's a it's a definite gotcha plot twist that sticks around with you where if it wasn't that, if it was just Angela is crazy because her brother and father died, so she kills people now, I don't think it would have stuck around as much without that sort of last plot twist that really, you know, puts it in your head and you can't forget it from there. All right, Ryan, what's your number two fake-out Oh, oh twist? I'll tell you what my number two is. It's my favorite slasher movies, my favorite series, I guess I should say. It's a classic, 1978, Jamie Lee Curtis, Halloween. Just cue the music. I can play piano. Can you really? I can. On how if, I had, if I had known that, we would have been playing it while I went into this. But um, I love that ending. I think it's a, it's a classic slasher movie ending. Um, I could watch it a thousand times. Great. Dr. Loomis, at the very end, shoots Michael. We see him fall through the window into the front yard. Oh, and then, you know, uh, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis's character asks Dr. Loomis if the boogeyman is dead. He says yes, triumphantly, and hugging her. Yeah. And, then, and then we looked outside. Wouldn't you know it? The body, the body is gone. Is that the boogeyman? Yeah. Not sure fact it was. And the body's gone, as if it never happened. Yeah. And you hear the classic theme, which has just become, in my in my humblest opinion, that theme has become larger. I think than the movie. I would agree. I think it's. I mean, I love music and horror movies. So mm-hmm. I love a lot of different themes. I'd say it's probably top, probably number one of like the top five horror movie themes, or at least. In the top five, for And sure. I think it's one of those things where it's like, kind of like Star Wars. Not everybody has seen Star Wars. Yeah. Not everybody's seen Halloween, but when people hear it, they know what it is. Oh, yeah. Um, so, th- I mean, that in itself is fantastic. Um, and obviously, the movies were great. They kept them going right up until the 20th. I mean, we kept going for 30 years. I mean, yeah. And, I mean, that doesn't bother me in the least. I've watched all of them, so. Yeah, I would say, if you haven't seen any of the Halloween movies, I'd say watch one, two, two. Mm-hmm. and Halloween H2O. And you're good to go. Is that the one? Is that the one with the college kids in the video camera? They go back to the house. No, it's Halloween Resurrection. Oh, that that's right. I hate that one. Um, but yeah, so you have the music, which obviously the iconic theme. Yeah. And then you hear, you know, you hear J- um, Michael breathing. Yeah, and just like pants like different locations. Yeah. Like the carnage. And I thought that was a really great wrap yeah. up way to end the movie, mm-hmm. because we got a closing. Unlike. With Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, where it just goes, <laughs> we, <laughs> by the way, bye. Yeah, we got a nice little wrap-up with a haunting theme and yeah. a good indication that we were getting another movie. Or yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Christopher, what is in the two-hole in your list? Um, definitely, if you want to, my, my last two endings are both soul-snatching endings. The kind of endings that just, like, will just deflate any room that it's played on. My number two is... The Mist, based on a Stephen King short story. You want to talk about just like a deflating ending, like a like I said, soul snatching ending. You look no further than The Mist, an ending so messed up that it wasn't it wasn't even Steve, like it wasn't Stephen King's idea. It was the director or the writer who came up with it, and then Stephen King, after he saw it, was like, "I'm mad I didn't come up with that ending." Really? Yeah, he was mad he didn't come up with it because of how great it was. I mean, the whole movie is about this mist that rolls into a small town and there's monsters in the mist. It's a pretty basic thing. Guess what? Ooh, spooky monsters from like the fifth dimension or whatever they're from. And, you know, it's it's more about the family, the, the characters inside, you know, the supermarket I think they're at in the mist. And it's about, you know, 
how people react to dangerous situations. Like some people go right to religion. They say, we must sacrifice the boy for whatever reason. He goes, oh, Jesus Christ, he kind of goes going crazy. By the end of the movie, Thomas Jane's character, and he's managed to bring himself, his son, and three other characters out, not out of the mist, but out of the situation. And the car runs out of gas. They're still in the mist, and they're all asleep. And he and Thomas Jane knows that the monsters are coming, and he's got a gun, but he's only got four bullets. So he shoots the three people in the back. He shoots his son, and he's just sitting there, waiting for the monsters to take him. He's just unloading his empty gun in his mouth. Nothing's happening, and he's just waiting. He's like, "Okay, monsters are getting me." And then the mist goes away. And the army shows up. The day is saved. Thomas Jane lives. And if he had just waited a couple more minutes, his son and the other people would have been just fine. It's so heartbreaking. I didn't realize that he didn't. No. We are learning. We are doing so much more than we advertise. It's weird too because usually when you when you change Stephen King's stories, he gets mad. As much as I love The Shining, Stephen King hates The Shining. He thinks it's ter- he thinks it's the worst thing. Well, he doesn't think it's the worst thing. It's just it's a slap in the face to Stephen King mm-hmm. because The Shining, the book, is about a father dealing with alcoholism who eventually overcomes his own demons to save his family, mm-hmm. which is Stephen King's story. And then you have the movie where. Jack Torrance is crazy from the start of the movie. It's, it's Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. He doesn't find redemption. The demons don't seem to be actual demons in the house mm-hmm. affecting this man, you know, like alcohol affecting Jack. It's just he's crazy and he kills his, he's trying to kill his family. So Stephen King was offended by that, which, you know, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But it's a good movie. But oh, the so, he, mist, so he won't like that they just made my list. Yeah, but the mist is where an ending happened with Stephen King's story that was changed, and he was like, "Wow, that was brilliant. I wish I did. I wish I thought of that." And now to the top spots. <laughs> yeah. All right. What you got for number right. one? Well, in my in my Mookie Betts leadoff spot on my list, God. I had to make a baseball reference. Um, I have another classic, 1968. I have Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby. Um, yeah, I think what I like about that movie is that it's another one of those where it's really deep. There's a lot of gore. There's a lot of trauma that the character, the main character goes through. Uh, I know we said her name earlier. Mia Farrow. Mia Farrow, thank you. Um, and what I really like about that ending is really it's the whole last, like, ten minutes where everybody's back in the room and she wakes up and she goes in and... You know, and everybody's still scolding her, and you know, it's like, yeah. what other choice did she have, really? Um, and when she walks in there, and she's, you know, just the demeanor where all of a sudden she has like this power at the end of the movie. Like they're telling her to go back to bed, and she's like, "You're te- you're rocking the baby too hard," and you know the the aunt, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. um, it, you know, is really rocking him hard, and how um, I forgot the male character's name. Um, that te- basically tells her to go sit down. Yeah. Um, and let's Rosemary rock the baby. Mm-hmm. I love with that ending how it's almost like this weird calm comes mm-hmm. over her, like she's accepting what's happened and yeah. what is in front of her, and how she rocks the baby and the baby. She gets a smile on the baby's face, a grin, mm. and then she kind of you know just this relaxed feeling. And I feel like that's you know it's her accepting everything, and it's just it's not her screaming bloody murder. 
And I think what adds to the edge of it is the fact that it's such an, really an, I want to say like an anti what you would expect for the end of that kind of movie. And I think that just made it so much better that, you know, she seems to be calm, the baby seems to be calm, mm-hmm. despite everything we just watched for yeah. the, you know, almost three hours. For the duration. Yeah. And to me, you get ten times more the shock value mm-hmm. with the way that movie ended. Yeah. And I gotta tell you, I watched it several years ago at the Cape with um, mm-hmm. some of my best friends, and I gotta tell you, it may be one of the greatest endings I've had the yeah. fortune of seeing. I mean, we definitely, I, like, I want to make a point to just say, you know, we obviously don't support things that uh, the director Roman Polanski did. He's a terrible human being. But with a movie like oh that, god, outside of the movies, no, absolutely not. Yeah, he's a terrible human being. But you can appreciate what he. I mean, what the other people brought to that movie, like that the the acting and that scene with Mia Farrow. We can appreciate that. We can say okay. And, like, a lot of people came together to make this movie good, and it is good. It's a great movie. And strictly on the writing perspective, Roman Polanski, hey, you get the tip of the hat. That's it. I am acknowledging your accomplishment with this movie, and I am respectfully moving on. So since we're not going to give him any more time than he's worth, Christopher Donovan, I go to you. What is the number one surprising, suspenseful, cliffhanging ending of horror movies? Oh, it's... It was a movie that I mentioned in our previous episode list for Halloween, and that's because I goddamn love this movie. Which, by the way, if you didn't watch the last episode, watch that first and then come back yeah. so you can find out. It's Halloween with with no, it's Halloween with Dan Lawn. Check that episode out. But my number one fake out ending has got to be the Descent. Holy butts! I love the Descent. The Descent, directed by Neil Marshall, has also made my favorite werewolf movie of all time, uh, Dog Soldiers. Great movie there, too. The Descent is about a handful of uh, women who are going spelunking for the weekend. It's a nice little you know, activity or whatever. And as horror movies go, you know, things take a turn for the worse. They get stuck in the cave. They can't find a way out. You know, that claustrophobia is setting in. And then... When they're completely lost, they can't even, you know, find anywhere to go and any direction to go. The, their trick of turning on the lighter to find where the wind is blowing, to find a tunnel where they go, that doesn't work. The fire's just staying right put because there's no wind anywhere around them. They're like, we're stuck. And then it gets even worse because they're not alone in the cave. There's monsters in the cave. There's these crazy, you know, humanoid cave people looking thing. They're like kind of greenish. They got these weird eyes. Oh, man. I'm I'm gushing about this movie. But the best part about this movie, besides the heaps of character development, making all these women really interesting characters in their own right, is the the ending, which the ending of the original British version, the British release of the film, not the American version, where we softened it up for whatever reason. In The Descent, our main character... You know what's weird? I'm thinking her name is Sue, because I wrote a movie where my characters are cosplaying and Sue dresses up as this character. Where our main character, Sarah, has finally reached the ending of the cave. She is clawing her way up. She sees the hole, she claws out, and she has this big moment that takes this huge breath of fresh air. Oh my god, she finally made it out of the cave. She runs down the street. She, she finds a car. She finds their car. She goes in. She looks to her right. And it's one of the people that died in the cave, a ghost next to her. And it shocks her, right back. She woke up. None of that stuff of her escaping happened. She's still in the cave. She's trapped there. 
it's just this, and there's this moment where it pans out. And you see her in the cave, and just how much else is around her, and she's nowhere close to the exit. It's just her and the monsters, and she's stuck in the cave forever. And there's this beautiful moment at the end too, where she's like hallucinating an image of her of her deceased daughter. And it's like a perfect bow on this movie, but it literally just ends with her in the cave, trapped. Roll credits. So good. The American version cuts it off at the ghost scare in the car. So it's like a cheap, she made it out, by the way, ending jump scare. Without the rest of the movie, like, it's, it's kind of pointless. I agree with you, that just doesn't... Yeah, the British version shows you after that, where that whole thing was just a hallucination after she hit her head. And then once she's back, she realizes that was all fake. She's in the cave, she's trapped. That's it. Game over, man. Oh, it's so good. I want to watch it right now. That's a phenomenal one. It's so good. <laughs> I would encourage you if, you, if you guys have not seen The Descent or Dog Soldiers, go check them out right now. Every time I go into FYE, The Descent is $5, and I don't know why. It's so much better than that. It deserves more. I, don't, I mean, I'm glad I don't have to pay more, but it deserves more. Go check out The Descent. They're very similarly structured movies with um, one's a group of hard-ass British soldiers, one's a group of badass women. They go somewhere, they find something that's way out of their league. One of them has a broken leg that they have to set in a really gruesome fashion. But both of them are just beautiful movies in their own right. And The Descent has literally the best ending I've ever seen. It's the perfect way to just like literally snatch the soul out of whoever's watching it. The air is gone from the room you're watching it from because everyone's just mouth open at the screen. Oh my god, what did we just watch? So there you have it, guys. There's our top ten list of... How do, how I'll do, do the outro, goddamn. <laughs> oh, by the way, and this just of, hit. You're getting hijacked. Yeah. And speaking of cliffhanger, and I'll see you next time. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Swearsies. <laughs> uh, so that was our top ten fake-out endings in horror movies. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys want to see some of these movies after we've talked about them. No, because, you, you want to see all of them. Well, yeah, because these movies, like we share them with you because we love you. And we love these movies. And there's nothing more I would love than to have someone say, hey, I watched a movie you talked about and I really like it. Let's talk about it. That's the reason for this podcast, so we can talk about the movies that we love. So do you want to share those opinions? Do you want to tell Chris how much you love him and his podcast? Send him an email. Chris, what's your email? Hey, I'll, I, I, I am doing this for you because exactly. I love you. I oh, care about you. So if you guys want to talk about with me about horror movies, uh, send me a tweet. Follow me at, at ProHorrorCast. I'd love to chat about horror movies. Or send me an email at ProfessionalHorror at gmail.com. I'm down to talk some stuff with you guys. Because I love horror movies, and I hope you guys do too. Also, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. It really helps out the podcast. Helps us get higher up on charts. More people see it. More people can engage in this little, this little world we got going on right here. Also, check out the other podcast I'm involved in, Armchair Sports with Ryan Spooner and many others, other of my friends that you will probably see on this podcast sooner rather than later. So check out Armchair Sports on iTunes as well. Subscribe to them. Leave them a review. Leave us a review, I should say, because I'm there. And follow them on Twitter at ACSportsRI. And like them on, and like us on Facebook. At Armchair Sports RI. At Armchair Sports RI. 
So we'll see you guys soon. We have a new, another guest next week or the week after, you know. And we'll see you guys next week with a new movie and a new guest. We'll catch you then. See you guys.